Welcome to The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry, and it's good to have you with us. We want to share some news with you. In early February, our team here at The Takeaway learned from executives at WNYC that The Takeaway is canceled. We will broadcast our last episode on June 2nd. And along with the end of the show, every member of our team, host, director, producers, engineers, and interns are being let go without reassignments. Oh yeah, y'all, they gave us the proverbial pink slips. Now, news of the show's cancellation was absolutely shocking for all of us, and we are deeply saddened by it. The Takeaway first aired in 2008, and this Friday, it's going to be 15 years to the day when The Takeaway launched. During those 15 years, the show has changed a lot. We've welcomed and bid goodbye to hundreds of fantastic journalists, producers, sonic storytellers. We've had multiple talented hosts and enjoyed the leadership of some terrific radio professionals. And of course, there's you. You invited us into your homes, your offices, your cars. You shared your lives, your ideas, and your talents with us over the years. And we are so grateful for that. And of course, we're not alone. In recent weeks, multiple media companies have announced cutbacks and layoffs. Just yesterday, colleagues at ESPN learned they're going to be part of layoffs at their parent company, Walt Disney. On Friday, BuzzFeed announced they're going to shutter their Pulitzer Prize-winning newsroom in its entirety. Also on Friday, Insider announced it was laying off 10% of its staff. And in March, NPR, which is not the company that makes the takeaway, but is responsible for so many sister shows on public radio, well, NPR cut 100 people from staff and canceled four podcasts. In fact, over the last year, more than 100,000 employees in tech and media industries have faced layoffs, including Spotify, Vox Media, Disney's Broadcast News Division, NBC News and MSNBC, Google, Meta, Twitter, Amazon. Look, in a lot of ways, our experiences of being laid off are very different from other American workers. Many of us have professional degrees, We've been earning livable wages. Many of us will have continuing health benefits, at least for some period of time. And for those who enjoy strong union advocacy, this means that many of us are gonna survive these job losses without facing immediate economic ruin that accompanies losing more contingent, low-wage jobs. But in other ways, layoffs feel the same for everybody, people. I mean, they are utterly destabilizing. They leave you with such profound uncertainty, such a feeling of rejection. And and as you toss and turn at night, facing this uncertain future, the one question that won't stop coming is, what is next? My name is Allison Hemming, CEO of The Hired Guns, a tech recruiting firm. Now, Allison was working at a media company in the tech center when the dot-com bubble burst back in 2000. And she tackled the uncertainty with a party. A 
Pink Slip Party. So Pink Slip Party is an event for individuals who've been laid off, aka pink slipped, who want to come together and commiserate with their colleagues that also were laid off, some folks that were left behind who are still working, and also meet recruiters and career coaches and anybody else who's out there to support the individuals who are going through this tough time. So we asked Allison if it's time for the takeaway and our displaced media colleagues to start throwing some pink slip parties of our own. So, well, pink slip parties can come in many shapes and forms. Uh, you, they can be departmental, they can be company-wide, they can be interdisciplinary. Um, back in the early 2000s, it was everybody who was working in the tech community and the dot-com community. Um, so you had people of all different kinds of, of job functions coming together across multiple different kinds of, of companies. And then sector specific. So again, in 2008, after the mortgage meltdown, there were financial services events happening as well for around pink slip parties. So there's lots of ways to approach them. But the most important thing is that people who've been laid off have a moment, a real moment to come together, acknowledge what happened, sort of dust themselves off, realize that they don't have to be alone in the world, that they can get together with their colleagues and actually be job hunting buddies with their colleagues and move forward. And it's a really important moment because when you go out there and job hunt, especially for that first time, right, and in that very first job interview, it can be a little bit more than overwhelming to talk about your layoff in that very first interview. And sometimes that very first interview is the maybe the best interview for your next job because those initial first interviews that happen are often coming from friends and family and colleagues who want to hook you up and help you out. So being ready out of the gate to be able to talk about what you did for the company and the impact you had without the bitterness or sadness from your layoff, right, is a very important thing and is a fundamental shift in how you approach your job hunt. Mm, I like so much of what you've said there. I want to dig into a couple of those pieces for just a moment. So one, when you talk about coming together with colleagues in a moment like this, I know it, it can feel like, oh my goodness, um, you know, if all of these media employees or all of these tech employees are being laid off, aren't we all competitors now, right? Rather than colleagues. And I'll say one of the things I'm most proud of when I look at this extraordinary team takeaway, since we learned that the show was being canceled, is how collaborative folks have been, right? But it does feel to me like it's really easy to to devolve away from that and think, oh, I better not tell, you know, person A or person B because they might now be my competition for this job. That is everybody's first instinct. And what I can tell you is at the very beginning, that feels like it might be competitive. However, once you get into the interview process, you may be right or you may be wrong. So if you're the wrong fit for the job, it's so easy to turn to a colleague and say, Jim, Bobby, Sue, I have a great opportunity for you. This is not a fit for me, but it could be a fantastic fit for you. And also, if you happen to be working with a recruiter or to the individual hiring manager uh, themselves, you can introduce a colleague to them and say, hey, I, you know, after meeting you in the interview, this role isn't right for me for these two or three reasons, but let me tell you who could be. And the act of actually uh, helping someone is a tremendous confidence builder. 
And um, what ends up happening is what goes around comes around. If you're putting good karma in the world, what's going to come back around to you? Good karma. <laughs> so I, I'm a firm believer that you can't have all the jobs and there are way more job opportunities than there are available people. So if we're all thinking, not only for ourselves, for but for each other, great things can happen. I love that, right? I mean, we may be trying to have all the jobs, right? But you cannot have all the jobs. It is a tight labor market, right? Even with all of this um, news. Absolutely. And I would I would say both in the, you know, if you think about it, the tech industry is only 2% of all employees. But now technology workers have permeated into every single industry, right? And and much is the case, you know, for, for media workers and content workers. And so you're, you know, you have branded content teams and new individuals working inside corporations all around, you know, all around the world. So it's a moment of thinking, okay, my job has been this way for a long time, but who else can use my skill set? And by the way, that is another great way to lean on your colleagues and or your fellow pink slippers inside your company or even outside your company through these events or elsewhere where you can really begin to think about a pathway to maybe a different kind of way to utilize your skills and, and the playbooks that you've built and earned in your current company. And so who better than your colleagues, though, really, to say, you know what I think you're great at that I see you do over and over and over again is X, Y, and Z. Let's put that together and write that up and figure out how you can talk about that in your next job interview. Because once you get, you know, in, in many ways, there's so much anxiety around that first job interview or the very first question. So why did you leave your company? Right. Most people aren't ready to hear that in a job interview. But if you practice it and you start to get comfortable at having a good answer for it, then you've got 90% of the interview devoted to talking about the impact you had at the company and great stories and work experiences that you can bring to your next employer. And that is what is going to get you the job, not hemming and humming <laughs> through the, why did you get pink slipped, right? Or, mm -hmm. oh, you got laid off. Tell me about that. You don't want to mm -hmm. spend your whole interview talking about the layoff or your bad boss or your, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that you miss your boss, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you have to get through it to get to the other side so you can actually land that job. I, I love what you're saying here in part because you're also reflecting this very real sort of human experience of rejection, right? Um, those of us who care about our jobs and are trying to do it well, right? Having someone say, we don't want you to work here anymore. We're not going to have you working here anymore. can feel like rejection, not just like, you know, some kind of budgetary, um, you know, balancing or something. I know for us at The Takeaway, I have tried really hard to be, you know, the main voice being angry in public so that um, so many of our producers don't have to be, right? So that so that folks can be feeling good. But but talk a little bit about that. How can you both stand up for yourself relative to a current employer, but also not carry the baggage into all the exciting work that might be in front of you? Well, I think the first thing is you know, sort of pulling back and and thinking about how to leverage your legacy, right? And it's really hard in the moment that everybody's in right now, right? When a layoff has been announced and is yet to come and or has come, you know, in those first few weeks and months, it's hard. But in retrospect, when you look a year 
five years, 10 years, 15 years out from this moment, you know, the thing that will carry you is the experiences. So your relationships with your colleagues and who you will turn to over and over again will get you through it. Trust me. I mean, so, you know, whether it's a year from now or six months from now, it'll be really easy at, once you land in your next company to turn around and pull somebody in from the team. What's so fascinating about, you know, the the dot-com era and now is if you look at sort of like the org charts over time are just teams reconvening and recollaborating with each other over decades now, right? And so sometimes there's new people being brought in, but oftentimes, much like in Hollywood, right? You've got your Ocean's Eleven crew and you're bringing it together over and over. And so that's something to look forward to. Maybe there's another hit in the horizon. And another thing that, you know, was really phenomenal that I would say is something that's been overlooked in sort of the dot-com meltdown to where we are now is sort of the amount of net new companies that got created out of that moment, right? People did go away. They were bummed. It is real. You have to own that moment. But then they got together with their people. They started to build new things. Sometimes they had a rough time finding a new job. So they went and created their new job or they consulted, right? And then very quickly, I could tell you by, you know, between 2000, 2005, by 2005, companies were getting, you know, they were rehiring any consultants that they brought in and putting them into full-time roles. The amount of open roles had shifted over time and was growing quite steadily. And all of that scaffolding and really grit that got built up in the post.com era really served, I think, the tech and media industry for the next, you know, and, you know, and it's still serving us today, I would say. All right, we're taking a break right here, but stick with us. We've got more pink slip partying when we return. It's the takeaway. This is Ira Flato, host of Science Friday. For over 30 years, the Science Friday team has been reporting high-quality science and technology news, making science fun for curious people by covering everything from the outer reaches of space to the rapidly changing world of AI to the tiniest microbes in our bodies. Audiences trust our show because they know we're driven by a mission to inform and serve listeners first and foremost with important news they won't get anywhere else. And our sponsors benefit from that halo effect. For more information on becoming a sponsor, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org. You're back with The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. And we've been talking about recent media and tech layoffs, including our own here for Team Takeaway. All of us are laid off as of June 2nd, when The Takeaway will air its last episode. Right now, we're with Allison Hemming, CEO of The Hired Guns, a tech recruiting agency. Now, Allison is the brain behind pink slip parties, which are kind of like networking events that she started to help her and fellow laid off employees find new jobs when the dot com bubble burst back in 2000. We've talked a lot about the employee, 
Do you have advice for employers? I am so happy you asked me this. (laughs) Yes, I have important advice. Um, And and now I'm going to speak to them sort of broadly Mm -hmm. in the ether, which is, you know, your talent, you know, your brand, the people that you have brought together to create this thing that is your company and your culture, right? Everybody wants the company to survive. And people do recognize that cutbacks happen and that sometimes, you know, times get tough and, and layoffs are necessary. It's how you go about the layoffs that will stick with your legacy, right? So there's a number of companies that have been really enjoying playing the tough guy over the last couple of months, particularly out of tech. And then we had a big new one with the pity city buzz that mm-hmm. happened last week uh, with Miller Knoll, um, where the CEO, you know, when asked about whether or not people get their bonuses because, you know, they had to hit their numbers, you know, she asked the the staff to stay out of pity city. You know, people are people. They want to be spoken to with transparency and honesty. And if they can help get you to the other side, they will. But when you're doing a layoff, it's not just about the people that are having the layoff, who you need to caretake for on one hand. On the other side, it's all the people that are left behind and how you treat your people on their way out the door. Every single person inside your company who's left is watching. And so something that I caution executives against is you do not want to be a cicada company where after your layoff, you have nothing left but a shell of your former company and there is no culture left. You have to caretake for that every single second. A company playbook to follow is Atlassian, Mm -hmm. who did have a 5% layoff back in March. And, um, how they went about it was was pretty amazing. Um, that's the company that operates Trello, but they were very forthright. They let their workers come together before they left. There was no, hey, in the cover of darkness, we're turning off your email. You didn't know this was coming and you know we're gonna pretend like we never worked together. That didn't happen. They were honest, truthful, empathetic. I think every CEO has an ability to do that, but it requires planning. And if you expect that your company is going to make it beyond the tough time that they're in, you want your brand to last. Hmm. And you want, you know, another interesting thing that happened after the dot-com meltdown was that a lot of companies were able to re-recruit people because they had good experiences. Not all companies were bad on the, you know, when they were doing their layoffs and people were happy to go back. And I think that's a really important thing. So if if you think that your brand's in it for the long haul and you as a CEO are in it for the long haul with your company, treat everybody right all the time. (laughs) I'm so passionate about it. I really can't help myself Um, because it's so easy to be good. It's so easy to be transparent. People see the writing on the wall. Workers are not dumb. We just went through the entirety of the pandemic. And now we're all getting walloped with this moment. But, you know, in the pandemic, companies, you know, like people went out of their way to be kind to each other. Right. And we know how to do it. We saw how to do it. (laughs) We just have to keep doing it. (laughs) 
I love this image of the cicada company, right? Of, of being just the empty shell that is left, perhaps because, you know, as a Southerner, we get the cicadas through and there are times when they're just like littering the, the yard. But I worry also about being the cicada employee, right? Like so emptied out, so hollowed out from an experience of layoff that you don't have enough to bring. So, you know, are there practices, um, procedures, you know, amount of time, candles to light, you know, chance to say, you know, in that time sort of between the layoff and the next gig to hold on to some of that hope, that light, that enthusiasm about yourself and your own accomplishments and your team and what you've done, what you've contributed before you're in the space, you're actually looking back on it. So everybody's circumstances are different, right? But so let's take the person who has the ability to take a moment and maybe their company was good and they gave them a long enough severance. It is good to take that moment, absolutely, and really ponder and contemplate what you want to do next. And we often, when we're grinding away at the office, we don't have the ability to think introspectively enough, right, about what we want and what we need. I mean, you know, going back to pre-pandemic, everybody's been on this hamster wheel. So I would say if you have the luxury of being able to take the time, do it. And what I could tell you is, again, with all the people I've worked with over like the last 23 years in recruiting, the people who do take the time never say, ah, I wish I, I wish I'd gotten right back into the grind. They never say that. They say, I'm so helpful. I actually thought about what I wanted. I built a path. I had a strategy. I was self-directed about it and I went and got it. And the amazing thing that happens is they made it happen. You know, on the other hand, if you have to get going right away, I would say the most important thing you can do, even if it's only a weekend, <laughs> is to pull back and ask yourself, what do I really want to do next, right? And and what do I want to bring into my interviews? And what do I want to leave behind? And I say this so um, emphatically because, again, back to you may be lucky enough to get your best interview first, right? And and that's something we talk a lot about is, you know, we, you know, in New York City, there are no dress rehearsals. And I think, you know, in the environment we're in right now, that is true too. And so I definitely recommend journaling. <laughs> I definitely recommend writing out in advance, you know, what happened? Why do you think you are no longer with the company? Like in, you know, you know, sometimes it's a department, sometimes it's a show, sometimes it's a whole thing and it's, it's business, right? And that's an easy thing to do, ask and answer. But getting through really quickly what and how you were impacted and then moving through back to the impact is probably the best tip I can give mm -hmm. for anybody who has to look for a job right away. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to answer that simply. But if you have a little bit of more time, you know, then you might be able to contemplate is now time for a career change, right? And where mm -hmm. should I go? And how do I change all of my assets to reflect directionally where I want to go next and how can I talk about my work through the next lens of, you know, if you're doing an industry shift, you have to learn new vocabulary and translate that. And that does take a moment, right? Having that strategy. If you do need to find a job right away, 
I very much caution you to not shoot for a career change at the exact same time. <laughs> um, it is much easier to go and look for a job that's really similar to you, even if it's in another industry, than to change your job function or discipline in this moment. Because a lot of and a lot of times after a layoff, people want something new. They want mm -hmm. fresh start. They want all of these things. But that's in dichotomy with having to bring home the bacon, right? <laughs> so think of that then as a two-step process. I'm going to jump onto a, a lily pad for a safe landing. I'm going to do the same kind of thing with a very similar company. I'm going to catch my breath, but I am not going to stop. I'm going to keep working directionally on where I want to go in my career. And that navigation component can take a year or two. I'm not suggesting job hopping mm -hmm. after this, because sometimes that safe landing feels really good. But committing yourself to, to understanding that navigation can offer a hopeful and holistic approach. Many companies have been in the foxhole with each other through this whole pandemic, right? Like we know each other, right? We really do. <laughs> and so I think, you know, if, if I was to offer, you know, one key thing at the end of this interview, it's invest time, kind of break your teams up into job hunting buddies, right? Like two people can have similar jobs, two people can have very different jobs, but, you know, commit yourself to being honest with each other, right? And doing things like, you know, one thing that's super key that sometimes people don't think about is how will I be on that first Zoom interview, right? So we're, we've all been on Zoom for the last three years, but, um, what people forget is a job interview is very different than a Zoom team meeting, right? <laughs> you know, we could have great team meeting game, but, you know, what you don't want to do is have the tell me about yourself question last an entirety of the 30 minute Zoom interview. You need to be at the ready. So having, you know, and it can be fun. It doesn't have to all be terrible, I guess. You know, your relationships will further develop. And, you know, take the concept of the pink slip party, right? You know, you can you can do it for your team, meeting once a quarter or once a month to, you know, at a happy hour where you could see each other and and see how everybody's doing if if you're all in the same city or on a Zoom call. If if that's better because now everybody's all over the place, that's okay too, right? So, um, but it's that consistency and having that appointment setting and creating the commitment to each other that can really, you know, get you through the moment that seems super scary. But, you know, what I can tell you is having now worked with thousands of people over the years and so many at the start of my company when I started the higher guns and the pixel parties at the same time, so many of those people have gone on to do amazing things and work with each other again. And that familial atmosphere, that doesn't go away unless you let it, right? And so that's the part that's on all of us individually as we push through this awkward moment that we're in. But there'll be another good time. And, you know, the economy is still hiring. Being creative and being agile and thinking about where and how we could be useful and and be excited to approach work in new and different ways is, you know, that's part of the journey. And and I think opening opening yourselves up to that opportunity could be really amazing. Alison Hemming, I feel like you just came and made some lemonades with our lemons. Alison <laughs> <laughs> Hemming is the CEO of the Hired Guns. It's a tech recruiting agency. And I think she might also literally be the takeaway personal cheerleader right now. So we so appreciate you spending some time with us, Alison. 
Well, Melissa, thank you. I've got just one more note here from Team Takeaway to all of you. We're going away after 15 years, but here's what we want you to know. When format or time slots or even hosts changed here, what remained at the center of the takeaway is you. You're the reason we get up early, that we stay up late, and that we work to get it right every day. And during our final weeks on air, you remain at the center of the work of Team Takeaway. And with only a few weeks left, we hope that you're going to take the time to reach out. Is there a favorite story or episode that you want to hear again? Is there a person you'd like to hear from on The Takeaway? Is there a topic or an issue or concern that you want to hear covered in our final days? If so, call us at 877-869-8253. That's 877-8-MY-TAKE. Or just make us a little voice memo and send it to takeawaycallers at gmail.com. We're going to keep checking back in with you between now and June 2nd as we enter the final take of The Takeaway. Takeaway.